Great to see all of you. Uh, that video doesn't really have anything to do with today's message, but um, I really like to show it uh, whenever I preach, you know, the 4th of July or after the 4th of July, because I think it's funny. Um, this year was actually the first year that we kept up Isaiah, our four-year-old son, we kept him up late enough to see the fireworks for the first time. Um, we went to the Oxford Community Park, and it was great. It was a pretty fun experience that will hopefully, you know, be a core experience, you know, core memory for him. Um, we, we enjoyed it. Um, he was pretty tired, though. You know, it's kind of like if it wasn't so loud and bright, he probably would have fallen asleep on the on the grass. But um, yeah, it was, it was pretty fun. I hope you had a good Fourth of July and a good week. Um, we're continuing um, through Paul's letter to the Ephesian church today. This morning, we're, we're five chapters in, and so go ahead and turn there in your Bibles. Ephesians chapter five. Debbie taught on the second half of chapter four last week, and both that section um, in chapter four and today's section are actually pretty, they're very similar passages. Um, it's a continuing conversation about the way we as Christians should walk and talk and act, et cetera, et cetera. There's two main things that Paul is walking us through in this part of the letter. The first is how to walk out the new life God has given us through Jesus. And the second is walking in love, both in our relationships and in the family of Christ. Our new life with God reflects God. Our lives are no longer all about us. It's about our relationship with him and the way we do relationship with others. As followers of Jesus, we've been brought into his family. We've been given a new way of living and relating to people around us in, in the way that we do relationships with others. As fo followers of Jesus, we've been given a new way of living and relating uh, um, to our immediate family, to our friends, and to those we just encounter every day of our lives. The focus in, in, this, in this part of Ephesians is that the Holy Spirit will and is currently changing us from the inside out. We must allow him to do it, though. Like, he's not going to do it if we don't allow him to do that. We work together with him. It's not us versus the world out there necessarily, but more a, a new us versus the old us. That's what Paul's talking about here. What I mean that is that in Jesus, we've been made new, but our old thought patterns, our old mindsets, and old ways of doing things and relating to others still linger at times. They come back to us, and sometimes we go back to them. And so what Paul is saying is that we must learn to live and think in a new way according to the new life we've been given. And this might be new to you. Um, it might, you might be scratching your head um, when I, at this um, if you've never heard this before. And you might not know what I mean in this, but don't worry, stay engaged. I'm going to do my best to explain what, what Paul is talking about. But before I go on, there's something that I've come to recognize. Um, I don't know if danger is the right word, but two kind of things that come up um, when we read a passage like this. Um, that, that talks about the, our focus, talks and focuses on our behavior as Christians, it can and it might um, push buttons, push wrong buttons for some of us, even when it isn't meant to. It's like, hey, welcome to church. It's time for your weekly review. Let's see how you're doing. Did you sin this week? You know, buttons can get pressed like performance expectations, expect, expectations of what it means to be a good Christian, comparisons, striving, fear of failing, guilt, self-loathing. These kinds of things can rise up for some of us um, when we read passages like this and we feel pressure maybe at times um, when, we, when we hear these kinds of things. Or maybe you don't know Jesus at all and when you hear this, 
you might feel judged or ashamed or exposed. And I just want to tell you, that's not the goal at all. That's not the goal at all. I read something this week that stuck with me from a pastor out in Kansas City, Mike Bickle. He, he wrote, um, the way that we view God's heart towards us, even in our sin and weakness, affects how we approach God. Whether it determines whether we run from God when we stumble in sin and weakness, you know, or if we run to him or if we run away from him. If we feel dirty, then we're going to live dirty and we're going to hide. If we feel clean, then we're going to live clean and live before him. And so one of the greatest needs for all of humanity is the assurance that we're enjoyed by God, even in our weakness. He doesn't enjoy sin, but even in our weakness, he enjoys us. He likes us. He wants to be around us. He enjoys you. We were created with a longing to know that God delights in us and he enjoys us. Micah 7, 18 through 19 says, he, God, pardons iniquity, that's sin, because he delights in mercy and love and kindness. He has compassion on us and he will destroy the power of sin in our lives and cast our sins into the sea and remember them no more. One of the most important things to know is that God loves you. He cares for you. He wants to give you life to the fullest beyond anything you can imagine. Love, joy, peace, and being made right in your spirit and soul. He wants us he wants to set us free from condemnation, suffering, self-punishment, cycles of brokenness and addictions. So, so what am I talking about today? What, what is the writer of Ephesians talking about? He's calling us into a better way of life and love based on Jesus so that we can walk in the things that God has for us. I want you to think about if you've been following with us in this series, what we've been going through in this awesome book of Ephesians is our identity in Christ and what it means for us. As born-again believers, followers of Jesus, it means we're human beings that God has rescued and awakened and revived spiritually. We're people who are spiritually, emotionally, and relationally dead. God has made us alive. We're people who have received something that we didn't earn, that, but we were given it through his love and grace and forgiveness. God has restored relationship with us. Yes, we still make mistakes. Yes, we still feel pain. We still hurt other people at times, but God has made us with new capacities for relationship. He's breaking cycles of broken relationship through us. As born-again followers of Jesus, it means that we're people who are called to be part of his family, his church, people who God has given his eternal presence to and given us his purposes and his works, that each one of us would, would be part of building up one another in Christ. God has, God has planned things for us um, he's, he's prepared things for us before we even knew him to be part of his inheritance, the inheritance of the son. And, and this is all because of the great work that he's doing and he's gonna bring about in us, amen? Amen. So when God addresses something, know this, when God addresses something about your behavior, he does it because he loves you, okay? I know this from a lot of personal experience. He does this because he knows that whatever it is that he's addressing is either hurting you, hurting me, or it's hurting those around us, or it's getting in the way of you and I becoming the people God has called us to be in the way he desires for us to live with him. So let's pray, and then we'll jump into the text. So, so God, we thank you. Father, we thank you for today. I thank you for everybody in this room. I thank you that you're, you're here with us right now. You're, right, you're here right now, God. You want to be here with us because you enjoy us, God. You want to be with us, God. 
I said that would sink in this morning, that you really, really like us. I ask that you would come close today by the power of your spirit. Magnify Jesus to us this morning. Give us hope and faith to what it is we've been called to in Jesus. I ask that you would silence the accuser this morning, that your Holy Spirit would remind us of our God-given identity as righteous sons and daughters of God. I thank you that your goodness and your kindness draws us to repentance. And so I ask you to do it again today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Ephesians 5.1. Let's read it, starting in verse one. Therefore, stop. Therefore. Whenever you read a therefore in the Bible, you need to ask yourself, what is it there for? You need to go back to chapter four to see what it's there for because when the Bible was written, it wasn't broken into chapters and verses. It was a, this was just one long letter, right? And so when he says, therefore, there's something that he said before this that we need to go back and look at. Why, did he say, why is he saying what he's saying, right? So in chapter four, verses 17 to 24, Paul gives us some wisdom and weighty instructions to the believers in Ephesus. I'm gonna paraphrase this section because Debbie took us through it last week, but it's important that we know what he's talking about because he's gonna, he's gonna expand upon what he just said, right? So Paul writes, in essence, hey, this is important. It's from God, and I need you to hear this. You must no longer walk as the people who don't know God walk in empty opinions and thoughts because you've been given and taught the truth of Christ. You've been taught to put away your formal, former way of living and to be renewed in the Holy Spirit in your mind. Let the Holy Spirit give you a new mindset. Clothe yourselves with the new self created according to the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. So he's saying, you know this, you've been taught this, you've been living this. So therefore, now 5.1, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave, gave, himself, gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And he goes on, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as it is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk, no crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. Reality check, I joke more than I give thanks, personally. I want to change my way of doing things. I want to give thanks more than I joke. Verse five, for you may be sure of this, not we may be sure of this. Everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of God and Christ. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Seven, therefore do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Nine, for the fruit of light is found in all that's good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful to even speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Verse 15, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. 
Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Verse 18, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody of the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That was a lot that we just read through. But one thing that we have to learn here is that Paul says don't get drunk on wine. He doesn't say anything about beer or whiskey. Or, I'm, just, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. We'll talk about that later. Um, but let's break this down. Verse one, Paul says, therefore, be imitators of God in everything you do. Because you are God's beloved children, continue to walk surrendered to the extravagant love of Christ. Isolate that first phrase, be imitators of God. You probably know what a bad imitation is, right? Something that's made to look like something of high quality, but is cheap and made poorly. Who's ever been to Metamora, Indiana? You know where that is? Okay. Um, Metamora is the, this little village in Indiana of homes and, and shop, you know, these it's been turned into shops, uh, kind of like a fair. I, mean, I don't think it has any rides, maybe a train, but um, they have like f- fried Twinkies and fried Oreos and funnel cake and caramel corn and ice cream and, you know, all those kind of other fair type foods. And they're open on special weekends through the summer and around Christmas time. I haven't been there in a while, but it's a really beautiful drive from Oxford out to Metamora. Like you go through around Brookville and then through these back roads and it's really pretty. Um, but, but you know, there's, there's tons of people, like it's like a sea of people. Last time I remember being there, there's like so many people in this, this little town, village, shop place. And um, they pack the streets and the shops and, and then different places, people are selling North Face jackets, Patagonia, Nike, Adidas, what other popular brands, right? And they're selling them for like a quarter of the price because they're imitations. They're, they're, they're knockoffs. They're not the real thing. They're, they look like the brands, but they're, they're not really made by those companies and they're very poor quality. So if you bought one, I'm sorry, but it's not, it's not the real deal. Um, but, but that's not what God's calling you. He's not calling you a, a poorly made imitation. You are made to be an imitator. An imitator is a person who copies the behavior or actions of another. The Greek word for imitators is the word memetes, and it's fre- it frequently depicts an actor playing a role. God wants to fill you and I with his thoughts, his way of thinking, his love, his deeds, his character, not so that we can merely play a role, but in such a way that our lives naturally mimic the life of Jesus. Because we've been remade to be just like him. We've been made of the same stuff Jesus is made of. We're just as much sons and daughters of God as Jesus is. And that's what the, that's what the Father has decided. We don't get to determine that. That's what the Father has decided. Jesus sent his Holy Spirit as a seal to make this true and to saturate you in his presence so much that it begins to leak out of you. I feel like we need to back up a little bit before we go forward because for some of us, maybe in this room or listening online, this might be new to you. All the way back in the beginning of time, as we know it, God created humanity to live in relationship with him and to be his partners on the earth. And when God originally designed humans, he created us for a relationship with him. He gave us an identity and a purpose and a destiny 
I don't have time to dive into all the areas of that this morning, but he set us up to be a family with him, to learn from him and reflect him through our lives and relationships to the rest of creation, actually, for that to be on display to the rest of creation. In the original design, we're, we're made for intimate relationship between God and us. Our, we're created in the image and likeness of God. We're made to be co-regents with God, exercising his dominion and kingdom on the earth. And the enemy, the enemy comes in and he sows lies and deceits and tells humanity that, that, that we're lacking something, that God is holding out on us, that he didn't really make us in his image and likeness, and that we need to find it and take it for ourselves. And through the lens of these lies, humanity looks upon things that we're not created for and desires them. And by partaking in those things, we break our relationship with God and we take sin and death into our lives. This act of rebellion and disobedience becomes a mark on all of humanity after this. And humanity is now defined by, by this, this sin and brokenness. And there's problems that are introduced when this happens. God and mankind's relationship is estranged. Uh, there's separation. There's a need for forgiveness and sacrifice and atonement. The image of God is fractured and broken in, in humanity. We still hold on to a part of it, but it's, it's mired. It's not, it doesn't look like it's supposed to look. We're not, we're not reflecting God clearly. We're born with a sinful nature. Pain, sickness, and death are introduced. Dominion and, and, and authority in the spirit is given over to Satan on the earth. Satan becomes the little g God of this world. And, and how are we flawed? Well, humanity's relationship with God themselves and others become flawed. Humanity becomes inwardly focused, all about me, me, me. Taking only, taking, you know, only giving to others to receive more for ourselves, this selfish, selfish thing. Humanity's, human relationships are disordered between men and women, husband and wives, parents and children, brothers and sisters, blame shifting, greed, stealing, murder, you know, taking advantage of others. This, this is introduced and it, it continues and cycles on and on and on, right? We're aware of this, right? We've seen that, right, in the world around us. In our lost state, we imitate sin and brokenness. Lacking the fullness of what we were created for, a deeper and deeper hunger goes unfulfilled. And humanity looks everywhere other than God to meet our desires. We give in to darker and darker things, even to evil things to fill this sense of lack we feel. We make idols out of creation rather than worship the creator. It looks like a lot of the things that Paul describes in Ephesians 4, walking around with empty opinions, swayed by mindsets of the world and the enemy, refusing to deal with God for so long we've lost, lost touch, not only with God, but with reality itself. We couldn't think straight anymore, letting ourselves go into obsessions, addictions, and every sort of sexual perversion, sinning in anger. We were like that. I was like that at one time. Maybe you weren't like that, but I was like that at one time. And Jesus comes to set things right. And he comes as, as, as our example of how to live. Jesus comes with perfect relationship with God. He shows us a, a father and son relationship. He lays down his life for us. He's the visible image of the invisible God. He displays the nature of God, mercy, love, and kindness. He binds the authority of Satan and drives him out and he ushers in the kingdom of God. Jesus comes as the perfect man, no sin, not giving into the lusts of the flesh, 
He has control over himself and his desires and he submits them to the Father. No human before him was able to do this. The heroes, the heroes of faith in the Old Testament, they couldn't do it. They had, they had flaws. No human before him was able to do this. Jesus breaks the cycle of human sin, selfishness, and brokenness with his submission to the Father. So the solution that God brings us, God gives himself as a sacrifice to bring us back into relationship with him. Jesus is offered as the payment required by the law for the whole world. He brings us the ability to know God as our Father and we become beloved children of God. We're crucified and resurrected with Jesus. Our sinful nature is killed on the cross and we're born again as a new creation. Jesus triumphs over the powers of darkness and reclaims all authority on the earth and he's given kingship and heaven and earth by the Father. And we're sent out under his commissioning to reflect the love of God to the world around us, remade in his image and likeness. So the problem was before, before we gave our lives to Christ, right? We, we were slaves to sin. We were cut off from awareness of God, dead to the voice of God, dead to the spirit of God and the life of God. We had no way out. Sin was, was at the core, it was our default, okay? And God came to us to, to, to invite us back into relationship, an even better relationship with him, and he made it possible. He did the hard part. This is the good news. God has forever, forever broken the cycle of sin and death through Jesus, forever. Jesus has brought the kingdom of God into the earth, and it's continuing to break in into your life, into my life, into our relationships. The hardest situations, the hardest circumstances are not off limits for God. He wants to break in. He wants to bring his presence into those places, into our bodies, into our minds. With his life, death, and resurrection, Jesus brings us out of death into his life. As new creations in him, our default now is children of God. No longer sin, but children of God. We've been made right in our very being. We've become dead to sin and alive to Christ. We've become born again and made new. So now, Paul says, he's writing, don't live like you used to live, but live like Jesus lives. You've been remade in his image and likeness to follow him. He's the way, and he's the truth of this new life. Therefore, Paul says, be imitators of God. Imitate Jesus in all you say and do. I love the way that the Message Bible paraphrases Ephesians 5. So let's read it. We're gonna read the whole thing again. This is from the, mes the message. It's a paraphrased translation. So verse five, or chapter five, verse one again. Watch what God does, and then you do it. Imitate God, right? Like children who learned proper behavior from their parents. Mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn, li learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. Love like that. Verse three, don't allow love to turn into lust, setting off a downhill slide into sexual promiscuity, filthy practices, or bullying greed. Though some tongues love the taste of gossip, those who follow Jesus have better use for language than that. Don't talk dirty or silly. That kind of talk doesn't fit our style. Thanksgiving is our dialect. 
Verse 5, you can be sure that using people or religion or things just for what you can get out of them, the usual variations of idolatry, will get you nowhere. And certainly nowhere near the kingdom of Christ, the kingdom of God. Don't let yourselves be taken in by religious smooth talk. God gets furious with people who are full of religious sales talk, but don't want anything to do with them. Don't even hang around people like that. Verse 8, you groped your way through that murk once, but no longer. You're, you're out in the open now. The bright light of Christ makes your way plain. So no more stumbling around. Get on with it. The good, the light, the true. These are the actions appropriate for daylight hours. Figure out what will please Christ and then do it. Don't waste your time on useless work. Verse 11, mere busy work, the barren pursuits of darkness. Ex- expose these things for the sham they are. It's a scandal when people waste their lives on things they must do in darkness where no one will see. Wake up, you, you, your, wake up from your sleep. Climb out of your coffins. Christ will show you the light. So watch your step. Use your head. Make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. Don't live care, carelessly, unthinkingly. Make sure you understand what the master wants. Verse 18, don't drink too much wine. That cheapens your life. Drink the Spirit of God, huge drafts of Him. Sing hymns instead of drinking songs. Sing songs from your heart to Christ. Sing praises over everything and everyone. Any excuse for a song to God the Father in the name of our Master, Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 3, Paul's writing again, another letter to to the church in Colossae, and he he writes the same thing to them um, in in slightly different ways. he, He writes, You've been raised with Christ to seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not the things on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passions, evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. And these things too, you once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them away. You must put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. I think John Richter used this phrase a few weeks ago, God loved the hell out of us. Do you remember him saying that? Something like that? God loves us so much that it drives hell out of us. If God loved the hell out of us, why would we let it back in? Right? Why would we let it back in? But we do. I've done it before. I've let it back in in my life. Ephesians 5, 5, Paul writes and says, those who allow hell back into their lives, into their relationships, have no inheritance in this, in the kingdom of God. What he's saying here is that if we entertain and bring the kingdom of darkness into our lives again, into the way that we do relationships, into the way that we relate to others and into our sexuality, we're not walking like sons and daughters of the king. We're not walking in love when we do these things according to the kingdom of darkness. If we're walking in darkness, we've lost our ability to access the rule of reign of God in our lives. He says, don't go back to that. He says, walk in love. Love is the currency of the kingdom and live in the light. As Christians, we're called to be a community who can, whose conduct shines as a beacon to others, illuminating the way that God has intended life to be lived. Paul wrote that we should live as children of the light, Light produces good fruit, goodness, generosity towards others, righteousness, doing right in relationship in relation to God and humanity and truth. 
These are the ways that you can please the Lord, he says in verse 10. Light exposes evil. The best way to get rid of evil is to drag it into the light. Evil thrives in darkness, but the moment you bring it into the light, its power diminishes. Do, do, do you know what I'm talking about? Like, have, you know, when we're caught in, this, in like, like a cycle of sin or a cycle of, of brokenness where we, we choose something that's not good for us, not the way of God, you know, we, we, we kind of like hide ourselves in that, right? We don't let other people see that at times or, or most, you know, most of all, we don't let God see that. We, we hide from him, right? We, we feel like, like if we're exposed, he's gonna, he's gonna come down on us hard, but the reality, that's, that's a lie from the Satan. The reality is God wants us to bring, he wants to bring that into the light, bring us into the light because of his love and clean us up. He's not afraid of our messes. There's nothing that you can do that God's gonna be surprised by and say, oh, I can't clean that up. Do you understand? There's nothing that you can do that God will be like, oh, that's out of my hands now. Like, he wants to bring anything, any problem, any issue, any hidden thing, anything that we don't want to get out, he wants to bring that and bring us into freedom and, 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 and clean us up and, and set us in a new way of living and, and give us freedom over those things and give us power to live victoriously. The moment that you bring those things into the light, the power of those things diminish. The Holy Spirit wants to shine lights into the, 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 the dark places in our lives where maybe we've hidden things or maybe we've you know, locked those things up and haven't gone back to, but we haven't actually let God deal with. You know? He wants to shine a light and, and bring those things um, out so he can, he can bring us through a new way of thinking, a new way of living. The moment we do that, the power of evil is broken. So Paul continues in 5 verse 15 through 17, he says, make the most of every opportunity. Time is your most valuable possession. Paul wrote, be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Don't waste your life away like a fool. Life is short. Live in this moment and make the most of every day. Don't, don't let things just linger in the background. Bring them to the Lord. Come to the Lord. This makes me think of discipleship and spiritual formation. Our staff and leadership team has been going through and practicing spiritual formation through spiritual disciplines. Parker's been leading our staff team through this. It's been really awesome. Spiritual disciplines are those disciplines and practices found in Scripture that promote spiritual growth among believers in the gospel of Jesus. They're, they're habits of devotion, habits of experience, experiential Christianity that have been practiced by God's people since biblical times. So some good examples are like silence, solitude, prayer, contemplative life, bodily labor, study, rest, simplicity, formational healing, spiritual direction, common discernment, hospitality, expressing faults and affirmations. These things that we do with Jesus, we, we put them into practice over the course of our lives, day after day. It's not like we just try this thing out, you know, and then we get it, you know what I mean? This is something we put into practice day after day after day, and it's formed within us. And so Paul's saying, make the most of your time. You know, don't, don't waste it. Do these spiritual things that are gonna bring you into wholeness, bring you into the, the fullness that God has, has for you. And then discipleship. Think, it makes me think about discipleship. I want to just talk right now to you know parents, elders, anyone who's in 
older than somebody else in this room. Um, and anyone who maybe has been walking with the Lord longer than somebody else, you know, um, they don't have to be older, you don't have to be older than them. Um, but maybe you've walked with the Lord longer. Maybe you've had a relationship with God longer. Engage in generations that are coming up. Walk with them. Invite them to know you. I just want to charge you with that. Invite them to know you. Share your stories. Share your struggles. Share your battles. Share your victories and your defeats. Share your walk and your way of life with God. Share your spiritual practices. Share your journey. Get to know people. Encourage them to let themselves really be known by God. Not to hide in things. Not to not let God see something. Not to let others not see something. Let, let be known by God. You know, encourage people. Show them what that means. Just want to encourage you in that. Lastly, Paul contrasts the the um, the the idea of escapism with substance abuse, getting drunk on wine, as he he calls it, which leads to debauchery, with being filled with the Holy Spirit. He says, "Drink the Spirit of God, huge drafts of Him." In these verses, he uses "filled" in the in a present continuous tense. So it's like, drink the Holy Spirit and keep drinking the Holy Spirit and keep drinking, the, keep doing it daily, more and more and more and more, right? Continuous, t- continuous. Do it again and again and be filled with the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit leads to singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. It leads to worship, right, in our lives, um, like actually singing worship and then lives of worship, and, uh, giving praise to God in our heart, giving thanks to God, it's the very opposite of gossip, grumbling, complaining. It's the characteristic of the spirit-filled community to be grateful for God in all things, in all places, and at all times. And it leads to mutual submission, as we see in the next section next week that Debbie's going to talk about. There's you know, this song idea. There's a song that's been going on between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for all of time, right? And this, this mutual submission to one another and this oneness and, and God invites us into that mutual submission. And it's kind of the song, song analogy that he's talking about. And so to wrap up, I think two key things that we need to take away from today and all of the things that Paul has been write, saying in this chapter are these. Number one, if you don't have a relationship with God, if you don't know Jesus, if you haven't, been, if you haven't given your life to him, if you haven't been born again, if you're stuck in cycles of regrets, if you're searching for more in life than you current, where you currently are, um, you need to know that Jesus loves you. He wants relationship with you. It's not a list of do's and don'ts. It's true freedom and power to break free from, from things that have been holding you down, free from pain and brokenness. He wants to build a new and better life with you. He wants to send the Holy Spirit to come and live with you, to be your friend forever. And I want to give you the chance um, to enter into relationship with Jesus today during our prayer time, during ministry time. I just want to share a story. Um, this is a recent thing. My dad and I, my family and I own the Skyline Chili uptown. And, and we have this area in our restaurant, um, in our kitchen, that we call the moat. It's an enclosed area with floor tiles, and it has a, a floor drain in the center and it houses large kettles where we make our chili and, and sometimes 25 to 50 pounds of spaghetti in a day. And, you know, like 40 gallons of water 
go into this moat area, hot water, and go down this drain. And, and you know, over the past 30 years plus, whatever, um, that drain is, and that floor has eroded. And so, you know, water is leaked under walls and leaked under floorboards and leaked uh, maybe to our neighbor below us, you know, like that kind of thing. And, and so we had to call some professionals out to regrout and fix the problem. And they began to work on the, on the grout and the tiles and they started to come up, the tiles started to come up, so they need to pull out all the tiles and they need to lay a new foundation for the tiles. And, and they, need, they couldn't just patch it up because that water would eventually leak everywhere again, so they had to rebuild, right? And so, you know, that's kind of like the effect of sin in our life. Over time, that stuff goes through our cracks. It goes and it leaks out in places and it affects our neighbors and it affects people around us and we can't just patch it up. It needs to be taken out. It needs a new foundation. It needs a, a new foundation needs to be laid. Sometimes we need professionals to come and do the work. Like I make spaghetti. I don't know how to dig up a floor and lay a new floor. I need, I need somebody who knows how to waterproof and, and do those kind of things and, and do it right so it's going to last the rest of my life, right? Like the rest of the time that we have this restaurant. We need people to come and do those things that we don't know how to do and come alongside us. So that's, you know, if you don't know Jesus, we'd love to introduce you to him. But if you do know Jesus and you are caught in, in, a, in a cycle that you want to be broken but you just haven't been able to walk in the freedom that you desire, there's people around you who would love to walk with you and, and walk you through that and bring you into freedom and pray with you. So we want to do that during the ministry time. The second thing that, that I think we need to, to pull from this, um, from what Paul's saying here, that I think is important, is that the last, in that last portion of scripture that we read, he says, Con- be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Drink huge drafts of him. If you've ever, if you've ever been to the German restaurant Steinkeller in, in Oxford, um, you know that they have some really good beer on draft, if you like beer. They have good food and good beer. And on different nights of the week, they have specials. And one of the nights is half price, half price liters of beer. So I did bring a prop. This is a liter, just so you can see. Like, I know Paul's talking about wine, but like, he, see, he says, drink huge drafts. Like, like a lot of the Holy Spirit. Continually. Not a little glass. Not like a little glass, you know, on your anniversary, you know, like drink every day a lot of the Holy Spirit. Be continually filled. Be saturated with the Holy Spirit until it comes, till he, his presence, his power comes out of you. The love of Jesus comes out of you. The kingdom comes out of you. Paul says, drink that much continually because it's the Holy Spirit that transforms us from the inside out. He comes in the power and love of God and makes everything Jesus has done for us real in our lives. It's the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. The fruit that he produces in us is the fruit of love and it's through life with with God, with the Holy Spirit, that we we become imitators of God in our lives and our relationships. That's how it happens, through relationship with the Holy Spirit. And so we want to pray for that this morning as well. So worship band, if you guys want to come on, 